puts it in. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 129, and it is the start of our summer doldrums, where there is not a whole hell of a lot going on, but we're still going to talk Spurs for a little bit here. Got uh, Scott and Caroline alongside to do it with here. We're recording this one a little bit earlier this week, but uh, still going to get this out to you this weekend and uh, allow the the fathers to have their Father's Day and and for me personally to be able to sit around and watch the U.S. Open golf tournament because that's kind of all I want to do. I don't even really want to think about Spurs, but I'm going to do it here for a little while with some of my friends. So, Scott, what's going on with you, man? I know you, you've, been, you've been busy, man. You've been traveling and doing all kinds of stuff. How are you? Yeah, good, man. I got back from Texas a couple weeks down there in, in the Valley. And, yeah, I moved over the last couple of days just about, well, 45 minutes north of Seattle. So, um, yeah, a lot going on. Well, we're going to definitely let Scott rap for a little bit later on about his favorite topic. It's not games. It's not what's going on at Tottenham during the season. It's the silly season, and he loves the transfers. So I'm going to, like, you know, just maybe mute my mic and let you rap for a little bit because I know you love to do it, and you know I hate to do it. So that's the way that's going to go. Caroline is also with us. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm good. I'm still, I think, recovering mentally from that wild U.S.-Mexico game last night. Um, as I always say, I'm glad that that team is not my primary rooting interest in men's international football. Cause God, what a wild ride it is every single time. <laughs> I was, I was, I wasn't even hundred percent sure that game was going to come up, but, uh, yeah, we're recording this the night after we're recording this before the final between the U S and Canada. I say final in the heaviest of quotation marks, um, of the nation's league. They, they beat Mexico three nil, but that game, if, if, if none of our international listeners saw it, I'm sure folks who. Our U.S.-based listeners, maybe we're paying a little bit more attention, but uh, if any of our overseas listeners did not see the USA-Mexico match that was played on Thursday night, oh, baby, that thing was uh, a little feisty and uh, a lot of a lot of bad, bad shit going down in that game. Um, and, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm still kind of just mentally recovering from not only that, but the news that, that of course, uh, Greg Berhalter will be back as the men's team's manager. But... Um, yeah, I know that's uh, that's what's going on in, in stateside uh, in these. And you know what's really weird? Why are they doing international football right now? That that's the other baffling thing to me. Like I saw Harry Kane played in a game for England today, and I'm going, "What the hell's going on? It's, isn't it? Isn't it the off season? Isn't it summertime? Aren't we supposed to be enjoying our time away? But no, we've got to get the the European qualifiers in and the Nations League. These made up bullshit things but yeah a lot of a lot of spurs were were in action internationally uh, over the last few days i saw Javier played i know sunny was on the bench uh davis sanchez who knows how, how much longer he will be a member of spurs but he played uh there was a lot going on so I, I don't know i agree recovering is the best way for me to put it as well caroline so that's <laughs> that's, that's where i'm at a um, couple topics to get to on this week's podcast. Uh, the one that, that hit the biggest for me, and I want to throw this to both of you because it, it was this was a weird one. 
not entirely surprising that Hyungmin's son came out earlier this week in an, in an interview and said that he basically played the entire season through an injury and had to have surgery after the season. Um, we know Sonny dealt with the injury to the eye socket that he kind of battled back and played in the World Cup. Uh, but this was an injury that apparently happened before the season or early in the season and probably could have been dealt with. It was a hernia surgery. Um, I, I can speak a little bit more to a hernia surgery in a minute because I've, I've had multiple, but not not that I'm <laughs> close to the level of athlete that Sonny is. But, uh, Scott, what was your first reaction when you heard this news about Sonny just in general, be, you know, basically playing through an injury all year and, and maybe us sitting here going, oh, that, that explains a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I my immediate thought was, well, that's probably why he had a rough year. Um, as I'm sure everybody's first thought was right. But I think it's a combination of, of a lot of things that are frustrating. Obviously, firstly, we know the World Cup was a huge factor here. And it's really risky to have surgery before the World Cup if, if, if you are sunny and not only kind of a shoe in, but, but the, the guy for your national team, right? So um, <clears throat> that, that certainly factors in. And if it wasn't the whole World Cup that comes with everything we could talk about, you know, that was World Cup Qatar. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. Probably he probably would have had the surgery, but um, you also have to look at the fact that it's Tottenham and we had no depth and our medical team misses quite a bit. Um, so I think both of those things factor in and we have a manager who throws fits when he doesn't have what he needs to, to we did right. And Conte at the time had, had a manager who, throws fits if he doesn't have what's required and Sonny was certainly required back to the depth piece. Right. So I think a lot of things factor in here. We would always be reading between the lines, but I can certainly tell you that there's it's not a coincidence that he had a really off year and played through a sports hernia. So Caroline, this is a player that despite having such a down year, we talked about that a lot throughout the season that Sonny was really bad. He scored 14 goals. He assisted on six goals in all competitions. Not horrendous. Second in the team in goal involve, involvements to, to obviously Harry Kane's tremendous season. Yeah, it was a bad sunny season, but even playing through this, like, I don't know. I would have liked to see the, another good sunny season. I, to me, this feels, I don't know. Does it feel irresponsible to you? That's the word that I, I feel like is coming to my brain. You know, I think a lot of people are of two minds with this because on the one hand, obviously, we feel very sympathetic to Sun that he had to go through not just the orbital fracture that he had, but also this issue that was, you know, lingering and causing him issues the whole season. But I think there's at the same time a tendency to wonder if he's partially at fault for continuing to play. And unfortunately, I think that's because we've seen in the past you know, with Sonny specifically, he has played through injuries such as the very memorable time that he played with a broken arm for 90 minutes, basically. Um, so I think at that point, it does kind of come down to the medical team having to make a call and the question of do they actually have authority under the managers that we've had in the past few seasons? Um, you know, were they actually empowered to make that decision and, and pull him out? But I think it's interesting what Scott says about needing him because of the lack of depth. But again, under a different manager, I don't think that really would have been how it was seen because we did have options. We had Richarlison, we had Brian at times, we had Danjuma for half a season. 
And I think it was really more of a, a manager's choice not to rely on those those other pieces. So just a bad situation all around. And I, I feel sad that it, you know, sort of hampered his season and especially coming off the golden boot year, like you really would have liked to see him push on and and show why he's at the top level. Well, and the, the Dan Juma point is, for me, a really big one. Why are you going out and getting a guy in January like Dan Juma, who plays in this pretty much the same exact role, um, can slide in inside as well? But, I mean, that's that's the guy that I feel like, you know, Richarlison dealt with his own injuries. We've, we've spoken th- about them at length. Um, he was obviously out on loan at that point uh, in, in the second half of the season. And, Scott, your point about the World Cup is a, is a good one and not even really one that I had thought about too much, like, yeah, of course, Sonny wanted to play in the World Cup. And even if this is a low-risk outpatient type of surgery, which uh, which typical hernia surgeries are, you don't want to go under the knife and risk something before a World Cup if you don't have to. So I get that. But even in the second half of the season, I mean, look, I, I, I said I would speak on my own experience. I've had multiple hernia surgeries. They don't really take that long to recover from. And again, I'm not talking about getting into peak physical form or anything. I'm just, you know, a, a mid thirties schlub. And and these happened, you know, years ago. I mean, hell, one of them was nearly one of them was nearly 20 years ago. I was a I was a teenager and the other was was in my twenties. Um, but it's it's not a it's not this is not something you're going to be missing two, three, four months with. It's it's a couple of weeks, maybe up to a month to get back to full strength. Um in in, in again, in most cases, and I'm not obviously I don't know. Sonny's the details of this injury it just it seems to me like this would have been not only on Sonny's part to your point Caroline but this would have been something to take care of and come back stronger from and to your point about the medical staff that's the other part for me where I'm just like what what are we doing here like because this feels like something that unless it was hidden from them somehow this feels like something you've got to be able to figure out and and detect and diagnose and treat and fix because obviously the guy was not at full strength the entire season. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's kind of baffling to me. Yeah. I think the only other thing to, to think about here, or at least mention is on the depth piece and maybe quality of depth. I, I look at Kane and son who have both been overused for as long as we can remember it. Erickson was overused and, Musa Dembele was overused and it led to injuries for all these guys, right? So, you know, when I I know we have depth, that's not my point here, but let's let's say, for example, you look at City, right? Who's obviously competing for everything and it's never apples to apples. But if any of my guys on the in the first 11 go down, my only thought is great. I can get someone who I need to get minutes, minutes, and let's make sure that this person's safe and rested and recovers. And now there's less pressure on me to find a way to get these star athletes minutes, right? Boom, make a substitution, manager's in control. But if you're Spurs and you're pushing for everything and not quite good enough to to, to accomplish your goals, you can't, you can't really take Kane or Son off when everything's on the line, right? You can't. Um, you have to balance that against pressure to win. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nuanced and we could talk about it forever, but I do think it does factor in that some of the guys on our our team are guys who play for a squad who are pushing for more than probably they're capable of achieving in that does factor in. Yeah, I think that's fair because, you know, we even had that conversation fairly early in the season about whether it was time to start dropping Sun from the starting lineup. 
And, you know, obviously we're outside observers and we don't know the particulars of his fitness or any of that, but, you know, even we were kind of like, he's the kind of player that you just don't drop because Mm -hmm. if he's not going to get it done, who is kind of attitude. So it's, I get why this happened. You know, it's just kind of a combination of son having that like consummate competitor mentality, not wanting to take himself out and the team not wanting to take him out either. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk throughout the year too, about was the system that, that Conte had implemented with Perisic playing so far up along with Sonny, was that a hindrance? I, I'm going to guess. And again, none of us know the details of how severe this thing was. I'm going to guess that playing through an injury all season had a little bit more to do with with the struggles that Sonny had uh, than than the system because I think the system at times we we did see work when Spurs had those positive runs offensively. Um, and you're talking about Perisic who did assist on 12 goals all season long too. So um, I don't know that it's it's a complicated one. It's again not something I want to hear about when it comes to the medical staff. And not something I, I don't want to hear that Sonny was, you know, not that I think he would be, but pressured to, 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 to play through an injury, any of that stuff. It's, it, it all just has a very kind of icky, gross feeling around it. Um, may it hopefully be buried in the season that was 2022, 2023 and, and put away and, and locked forever because um, I definitely am ready to start that kind of, movement toward the new season and put this one to bed. There's a new manager in place. There's going to be new players. There's going to be plenty of departures. Um, all of that is kind of on the horizon. Uh, with with that in mind, we did get the fixture list uh, this week, which came out. Spurs will open the season August 13th away to Brentford. Uh, the first home match is August 19th against Manchester United. Um, so notable dates throughout this, this schedule, obviously for this season, uh, Spurs will make their trip to Luton town in October, which I think will be one to watch. That will be very fun. Um, the first North London Derby is September 23rd away to Arsenal. The return leg is not until April 27th. So a massive gap between North London derbies as well. But, um, Scott, anything from the fixture list stand out to you? It didn't seem, I mean, these are obviously we, everybody kind of looks at these and breaks them down in some kind of way and says, it's oh, it's it, this is this is going to be a really tough stretch and this and that. But does anything jump out to you when you look at the fixtures for this season? Not really. I think for me personally, and this is not intended to be some like hot edgy take or anything like that, but I could just care less about the fixture list. I, I'm just just go play the game. Um, yeah. You're gonna you got to play everybody twice, so whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm. I'm excited to hear that we're going to play at home against Arsenal late in the season, which, you know, later in the season games could have a little bit more implication and, um, you know, hopefully we're competing with them. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation in itself too. We may not be, but, but if we are, I'll be stoked to, to be able to play them at home pretty late. Caroline, what about you? What stands out to you? I know that a lot of people were up in arms about Spurs not only opening away and closing away, but also being away on boxing day. Was, is that the thing that, that, that you're going to go to here? It's not where I would have gone, but I do think it's fair to be a little disappointed about that. You know, it, it seems like they should be able to balance it so that every team is at home either on opening day or on the closing day. Um, I think for me, it's been strange to see kind of some of the reactions in the fan base about 
the suggestion that the beginning of our schedule is difficult, and I really don't think it is. Um, I mean, I'll concede that Manchester United is not going to be an easy game, but other than that, we've got Brentford, a team who theoretically we're at about the same level as them at the moment. We've got Bournemouth, uh, Burnley, and Sheffield United, all of whom are teams that we should be beating in theory. Um, and, you know, we obviously we don't know what our squad's going to look like for those early games because the transfer window is still open. There could still be business to be done. Like, I hope there isn't. I hope we have most of it wrapped up before then. But I, I'm just not stressed about those fixtures, to be honest. I think the tougher periods are going to be, um, I think it was like, late November going into December, maybe. Um, and then we've also got a pretty tough stretch in April going into the beginning of May. So I don't know. I'm kind of like with Scott, it's the fixture list. We get excited for it to come out, but then you look at it and you're like, well, I don't actually know how any of these teams are going to be at this point. Like it's so early in the summer. It, you can't really make firm predictions in my opinion. Yeah. You have well, no idea. And- yeah, and I think the one thing that that made it even less uh, of a thing this year is we got a lot of time in between matches, right? It's it, w- this year there was less conversation around. Holy shit, this run is going to be fucking crazy, and we got to play three times this week. Like, we got a full week in between every one of these Premier League games. Yeah, let's go. And and and, and I was I was talking about it in the chat. We're we're going to get to a point where we have a first eleven, and they start every single game unless they're injured right but there's no gonna there's a gonna there's not gonna be a need to rotate this 11 as much they're gonna really get used to playing together we saw when chelsea won the league and i'm not saying that we're gonna win the league by any means but but i am really excited to see a first 11 just continue to roll every single week you know it's interesting you bring up the the, the fact that these these are the only games i do think that has because i don't remember previous seasons people really like um fixating on the fixture list if i can make up a phrase like it feels like this week when this came out people were really like bugging out about certain games and oh my gosh and no no home boxing day game it i will say i did double check yeah last year spurs were away on boxing day as well which is tough they were at brentford year before that they were home so maybe if it could be more of a little bit of an alternate thing but when you've got promotion and relegation to set in too that becomes tough because you get three new teams every year and it's just it's a it's a whole mess. So I, I don't know. It, the, the things that I looked at immediately when I saw the schedule, I, I remembered, oh, yeah, Burnley got promoted. When do we play at Burnley? And we play that game September 2nd. That is the fourth match week of the season. That's a great time to have to go to Burnley. You do not want to have to go there in the end of December, early January, or into February when it's in the dead of the winter. So that is one thing that I looked up. Um, other than that, though, to your point, Scott, like, this is what we've got. So this is what we can look at. There's no, there's nothing else to to dream on in terms of Europe, which I know is like, I'm saying that with a bit of a chuckle and it's a little bit depressing, but this is what it is. And, you know, other than the league cup game, that'll get slotted in there at some point. And then eventually come the new year, the FA cup, or I guess because we're not in Europe, we're probably going to be playing in the FA cup a little bit earlier than usual now that I think about it. But those games will get slotted in and this is what it is. I mean, you, you kind of go from there. It is a little bit refreshing to just feel like with this new fixture list, this is like the reset. Now the reset button has been pressed and we can go on and look at what we've got in front of us. And, and that is kind of nice. Uh, uh, in my opinion, Caroline, to your point, yeah, that run in Newcastle, Manchester city, Arsenal and Liverpool all in a row, April into May. 
that's that's certainly a that's a run in. I mean, it is it is tough, but honestly, you don't know what any of those teams are going to be doing at that point. Um, they'll be just, rotating. I don't mean to keep poten- the same point, but no, potentially, they'll yeah, they'll have to. I mean, they'll all be competing in Europe at that point. You would imagine so. You would think maybe so. not Newcastle, but or in cups. Well could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be interesting. I it'll be our first eleven versus their first nine and a couple a couple rotations probably. Yeah, it, it it it's. I'm just excited that it's it's on the horizon, and um, you know, August 13th. It doesn't really feel all that far away, but it's it's less than two months away. Uh, the first preseason game, by the way, is about a month away. Uh, the team travels to Australia, and that game is uh, the I believe it's the 18th of July. I gotta double check that, but it's it it ain't far away. We're we're, we're talking very very soon when that game is. So. Uh, it's it's right around the corner. Um, with that said, there's a lot going on at this club and needs to go on at this club with the squad before then, in the next month, hopefully. Uh, now that the transfer window is open, we can kind of officially start to talk about this. And Scott, I, I know you want to get in here and tell me all the players that this team should and could and will sign. Um, but before we even do that, we did get word this week of confirmation of departures from certain players. Those players, Clement Longley, Arnott Danjuma, Lucas Mora. We already knew about Lucas and Danjuma. The somewhat, and I won't say surprising, but somewhat uh, eyebrow-raising move was the return of Clement Langley, who was, of course, on on loan from Barcelona. I think that there is still rumor out there that they're going to try to sign Langley on a permanent deal. Um, If that happens, it's one of those moves that I'm – fine with but also very skeptical of um scott where are you because you didn't get to give us your thoughts on the when we did a big squad breakdown last week where are you on clement Longley and the potential of him coming back as a, as a depth piece yeah i mean i'd, I'd love for him to, to come back as, as a backup left center back to, to somebody that we go out and buy whoever that is um but i think he's good with the ball at his feet he's a great passer um, I think a lot those guys struggle in defensive setups, you know, again, again, the whole conversation on what have we been doing for the last three years, but I think Longley can come back under, under big Papa Ange and do pretty well. <laughs> big Papa Ange. <laughs> Caroline, what do you, what are your thoughts on, on Longley? Cause again, this is one of those that for me, I fear that it's like all of a sudden Longley is the left center back. Ben Davis is backing him up and, we're riding from there. And that's, that would be a fear of mine if, if, if I can put it so lightly. Well, I don't have strong feelings about him as a player, honestly. So in my head, I'm like, if he goes, he goes. Okay. Um, but on the flip side, we have so much work to do in this, this transfer window and the next probably to sort of rehaul the back line. So if we keep him, or, you know, bring him on a permanent, that's one less player we need to bring in, at least for the meantime. It kind of lets us, you know, kick that can down the road a little bit. Um, and just because there's so much work to do, I'm kind of okay with it from that aspect. But I definitely think he's a player that can be improved upon in terms of actually being a starter. Um, and we saw him sometimes play in the middle. So I think there's some potential that, like, if we're playing a back or 
he he could be one of the central center backs and not on the left side. But I don't know. I like I said, I just don't have strong feelings about him. I think indifferent is is apparently the yeah. opinion here. Um, I guess if they do sign Longley, it, it gives them the opportunity to hopefully try to sell some of the other center backs that are in this you know this paddock here. You're talking Davis Sanchez, who apparently wants a move but doesn't want to stay in the Premier League, wants to go out of the country. There are Premier League teams interested, reportedly, but um, he wants he wants elsewhere. And maybe you're talking Jaffa Tanganga, perhaps, uh, getting a move. The other name out there to, to move is Eric Dyer, obviously. Um, and word is that, that the team and Dyer had kind of come really close to agreeing on a deal not too long ago to, to have him remain at the club. And then Dyer's representatives reportedly came back and wanted way more money. And Spurs have said, no, that ain't happening. So it seems like there's a little bit of an impasse there and the potential for departure now. Um, so I'd be down with all of that. The other name to, to bring up in all of this in terms of departures and, and loan players is Dan Kulisevsky. Um, word is that, you know, the obviously it would have been an obligation to buy had Spurs made Champions League uh, with uh, Juventus in this deal, but no longer an obligation, but they're still trying to sign him. And it sounds like that's really close to getting done. So that would, I guess, technically be uh, Big Ange's first transfer move is is signing Kulisevsky on a, on a long-term deal. I'm going to assume neither of you guys have uh, any kind of uh, disagreement with that with that decision from the club, right? No, of course not. Yeah, and by all accounts, if they're bringing the price down a little bit, I mean, that's just good business. We can't be mad about that. I would not be angry about it either. Um, other than those kind of players, I mean, obviously, I haven't heard much in terms much else in terms of departures, but Scott – this is kind of where I just like mute my mic and you tell me what you want to tell me about transfers and where this club is, is going because um, I know at this point, I, I kind of tune out for a little while and just read what the club tells me, but you tell me what, what I need to know about who this club could potentially bring, be bringing in this summer. Well, I'll start with Kane, Kane, get Kane being told. Is that, is that Kane comma Harry that you're speaking of? Yeah. I do know. I do know him. No, his brother. His oh. brother. But no. uh, can we transfer his brother out? That would be great. That would be the best business uh, this team could do all summer long. Uh, um, well, classic transfer transfer season. The first four articles that we see on Sky Sports: Man United and interest in Kane. Real unable to justify Kane fee. Real Madrid make Kane top target to replace Benzema. And then Bayern remain in the hunt for Kane despite Real's interest. Didn't Real just and, sign Jude Bellingham? Yes. For like a hundred million euros, no less. Are yeah. they gonna are they yeah. gonna bring in Kane for another hundred million? Or what's the yeah. deal here? I don't know. And now Sergio Financial Ramos fair play be damned. Kane. Yeah, yeah. Sergio Ramos has said that that told Kane directly that he shouldn't he shouldn't pass up the opportunity to go to Madrid. So the rumors are flying everywhere. For what it's worth, I Kane He's not going anywhere, you know, uh, unless unless there's some some fee that no one expects is coming that comes right. That would be the only way I think that that he would he would be sold to something that we couldn't turn down for a guy with a year on his contract. But I think Kane's Kane's going nowhere. Um, 
I think as far as incomings, there's some interesting rumors, right? Madison and Barnes bid, the combined bid for Madison and Barnes. I'm high on James Madison. I think that's a that's a that's a great signing if we can if we can get him in. I think he's well suited to playing in a three because we're looking for an attacking midfielder, but it doesn't have to be a ten, right? Like we're not gonna Ange isn't gonna play with like a true ten, but but more of of you know the the type that can play both as a central midfielder and and help progress the attack. So I think Madison is a really interesting link, and then. I think Harvey Barnes too. He's good in tight spaces, and just looking for these guys that that can play the tight one twos and and are comfortable in the really tight space. And he's he's you know suitable there for sure. So Madison and Barnes not only is is a good tactical approach, I think, or tactical link as far as those go, but I also think it's doable and plausible that we could go and, and bring those two guys in. Tell me if I'm either of those guys, and Newcastle comes in with a reasonable number, why I wouldn't want to go to Newcastle over Spurs? Well, Madison's linked with Newcastle, so I think that's a great question. I think the only thing you can say there is, is does that person want to compete for time and take a nice nice weekly check to do that or, or come and honestly have, have a really talented manager build something around them in James Madison's case, in my opinion, so... I don't know. It just depends on uh, what he sees as most important in, in the next move for his career, I would say. But um, I'm obviously biased and would say come to Spurs and, and let big big Ange build around you. But who knows? We all know that, uh, that, that the Todd father uh, is a big James Madison proponent and wants him in. Caroline, where are you on, on a guy like Madison? Do you think he's – the level that, that Spurs should be going after in terms of a, a an attacking midfielder? Because, like, I know that you at least have slightly more transfer opinions than I do, and, and I feel like you, you you could offer something on James Madison at least. Uh, I don't know. I don't have, I don't know, positive feelings toward him necessarily just because I feel like there have been way too many rumors of, like, attitude issues with him not just with his club team, but also England. So that kind of gives me pause. <laughs> um, but like you said, you, you just don't know what a player's priorities are for their career. And I think similarly with how we really wanted to get in a manager who was excited to be at Tottenham this season, I think it's kind of the same situation with the players we're going to bring in. You know, I... <laughs> You don't want someone who were like their second or third choice and they're going to be resentful of it because, I mean, it's just not a good attitude to have in the dressing room and definitely not what we need when we've had a tough season and really need to kind of get into a new mindset. So, but I'm, I'm projecting a lot right here and I'll admit that. I don't know this guy. Like, <laughs> as for Harvey Barnes, I think maybe I'd be a little more excited about him, although I don't think we have as big of a need for him. Um, but I do think he's a little bit underrated. So I'm kind of yeah. indifferent on James Madison. I, I think I'd be a little bit more excited on Harvey Barnes, but I, I'm mostly indifferent on both of these guys. Like it, it, at this point, it's if these are the types of players that we can get to come in here as I wouldn't even call them stop gaps because I, you know, these are both mid twenties type players that I think can, can kick onto another level. And obviously they don't want to, they don't want to stay with Leicester and go down to the championship and play. They're they're Premier League level players that are going to find jobs in the Premier League if they want them, and they'll find moves. But um, it just you know, 
again, mostly indifferent is, is, is how I would kind of categorize my feelings on either of those players, but I don't know, Scott, where do you want to, where do you want to take us next? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on where this team needs to, needs to be focusing in on? Obviously, you know, if, if, if they can address the attacking midfield role there, that would be great, but where else? Yeah, real quick on the, the attacking mid before, before we talk about anything else. The, the Gallagher links are very interesting too. Oh, good, good, um, good call. Yeah, I think I think if you get him and Madison in, you're very well equipped in the midfield. When you look at Basuma and Bentaker and Skip, um, and, and even Sar, I, I dare I not say Hoybier because it sounds like he may be being shopped around, right? But um, if, if you have Sar, Skip, Bentaker, Basuma, Gallagher, and Madison, I think you got a pretty pretty impressive midfield, in my opinion. So I'd like to see both of those things happen, and if they did, they would really show the intent of the club to, to back back Postacoglu. Um But as far as the rest of the field goes, center back's a massive priority, and goalkeeper's a massive priority. We know this, and there's some strong links to a certain goalkeeper that probably make that one less of a talking point other than is it going to happen, right? Um, but as far as center back goes, I'm curious because I think we need to bring a couple in, right? If Longley is one of them, that's fine, but I don't think that Longley adds depth, so maybe we say we need three, right, if, if one of these incoming is Longley. So there's a lot to be done at center back. I think you've got to pair somebody up with Cudi Romero, who's not only very talented but very, very disciplined to let Cudi – you know, play play the way that he plays, right? Um, and, uh, you know, a couple other pieces of defense are p- potentially required. I don't think so. We might have the guys, but there, there's a lot of work to do back there. So, do, do you think if they get one other left-sided starting caliber center back, other than Longley, obviously, add this one mystery player that I'm speaking of, Longley, and then maybe keep a player like, I don't know, Tanganga around. And then I mean, you've got Ben Tanganga's Davis for a little be... bit of cover. Yeah, he's he's probably – I would imagine he'll be around anyway unless he really wants to move um, just because yeah, he's young I mean, and English. But do you think yeah, that's enough, though? Italy. I think Tanganga's got links to Italy that are interesting, but I think he probably ends up backing up Romero this season as, as the number two at that right center back position. And, again – Postacoglu has a track record for getting these types of guys to really shine. I mean, look at Cameron Carter-Vickers. He went up to, to, to Celtic and was on team of the season. and um, had a Where'd, they, fi- where'd they find him from? Right, right. <laughs> Interest- interestingly enough, Postacoglu, like, from my understanding, built his back line around, around Cameron Carter-Vickers, right? So um, I all that to say, I, I think that you could – maybe pull some good out of Tanganga that hasn't, hasn't been, hasn't been shown, you know, for other managers. So I think he'll be around, but, but yeah, if it, I think even if you bring Longley back in, you've got to, got to sign a star sudden left center back to pair with Romero or, or we're in trouble. But, but I guess that's my question. Would that be enough for this summer? Like getting one additional guy to, to, to start on that left side with Longley, is that enough at least for this summer to start this rebuild of this back line, or do they need to do more than that? Because honestly, I, I can't see them doing much more than that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that might be what we have to have to be okay with. And I'll let Carolyn get in here. I've been ranting quite a bit, but I think if you if you sign a, a star-studded left center back, that's probably probably what you can do, right? Along with Longley. Well, and that's kind of what I was referring to earlier when I was saying 
bringing Longley back on a permanent is the smart move at this point because it allows us to focus on other areas of the pitch that are also big priorities. Because like you said, Andrew, we're not going to get all of this done in one window, maybe not even two. Um, I think it's going to be a longer process than that. And the other point I would make is just that, you know, I'm sitting here saying I'm not excited about a player like James Madison, but at the same time, he's a homegrown player. So that's something that's important because I think there are other positions, for example, center back where the English market is not as strong. So that might be where we have to use one of our foreign slots. Yeah. And not something we think about all the time with the homegrown numbers. And obviously, you know, there's, there's less of a concern with that now too, being that you don't have to hit the, those certain numbers in European competitions because there is no European competitions, but yes, the, the homegrown number does, does factor, you know, I, as I go to like piece together this, this four, four, this four, three, three, that we know post likes to play. Um, I, I'm like, I'm sitting here going, okay, there's enough there. There's enough there. All right. The midfield here and there Bentancourt can't really rely on him to start of the season. I'm like, I'm piecing it together and you kind of do at least see the bare bones of a team. It just needs like that supplemental push. It obviously needs a goalkeeper, as you mentioned. It needs a, another center back, a, a starting caliber center back. But other than that, and the attacking midfielder, we're talking really like three positions where something's really necessary. But I got to be honest, the other spot that I'm very concerned about is it left back. Just because I know we've got Destiny Udogi coming back uh, from his loan spell in 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 France, uh, and other than that, I just I, is I guess Perisic may stick around, but I, I don't know why he would want to. Um, and then the only other option that I really see over there is like some combination of Ben Davis and Ryan Sessegnon. And while we all know my feelings on Ben Davis, I think we also all know my feelings on Ryan Sessegnon in that I don't I cannot rely on him to to stay on the pitch. So I don't know that there's a lot over there, and that's another spot that I would like to see a little bit more depth and. Even though we're only talking one game a week, you still need to protect yourself a little bit in terms of injuries and things like that. Yeah, I just can't believe you would even suggest Perisic could play left back. That's like a nightmare well, scenario to me. I, I, I'm fair, and I'm not even really suggesting that he can. I'm just suggesting that he is a warm body that has a left foot that normally plays in that area of the pitch. Like That's kind of where I'm at. I'm also not suggesting that Pedro Porro can really play right back, but I think that's where we are at this point. You know, it's interesting. Poro's linked fairly strongly to Real Madrid right now by Mundo Deportivo. And and I'm I think he's a great a great guy, good little player, but I don't know where he fits into the system. So if if Madrid comes knocking, I think you maybe maybe consider that. Emerson Royale, you guys know I'm a fan of his and I think he'll play a really good right back for Postacoglu. On the le- left back, I have a lot of faith in Udogi. I really do. Um, I'll tell you right now though, I want on the record for this. I think Ben Davies will get a lot of minutes there because I think Postacoglu, his system is going to pinch those fullbacks into 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 support a central defensive midfielder in possession. And I think Ben Davies is 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 somebody that you put up as a strong candidate there. I um I I think Sassanian is less of that. I think Regulon is is less of that, but I think Davies is somebody who Postacoglu will value quite a bit there, actually. Well, and it's interesting you bring up you know, having a lot of faith in Udogi. I have admittedly not watched a ton of Udogi. I've watched a little bit of Udogi. But to me, everything I've heard and read about him is that he's almost the left-sided Pedro Poro. 
So it, he's got, I think he's got a little bit more defense in his game, but he is a very much an attack minded forward thinking left wing back, not left back. So I, when you buy a shit ton of players for one manager and then change the manager and change the system, these are the problems you come across. And obviously I think it's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of duct tape putting this thing together to an extent. Right. I think that our defense was so bad this past season that if we can even just improve it marginally and continue scoring, I think at the fairly consistent level that we were scoring, it's, it already looks like a better season from the start. So like, yes, we clearly have some players who are less than ideally suited to a few of these roles and it's possible they could be developed to, to better fit them. You know, I think especially with a player as young as Udogi, we, we probably shouldn't fret quite as much, um, especially because we haven't seen any of, anything of him, essentially. Like, he hasn't played in a Spurs shirt yet at all. Um, but I think we, we at least have enough players that we can make do in the meantime. So I don't know how you feel, Scott. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think we're going to have to make do in a couple areas, but I think we're so used to managers who don't want to don't want to coach guys up and make and make do right that we might be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I I liken it to 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 Eric Dyer playing right back really well under Poch for for you know three quarters of a season in, in Poch's first year. Eric Dyer scored scored the first goal under Pochettino actually against West Ham United, but. Um, uh, yeah, I think there, there'll be a lot of coaching done around guys like Ben Davies, who's very talented and is going to absorb everything he learns from Postacogo quickly. I also think that Adogi will be fantastic. I think, you know, I hear, I hear the point about Poro, but Pedro Poro wasn't, wasn't winning accolades in, in Syria, you know, at, at a young age, he came, he came from Portugal and. Destiny Udogi, and again, no disrespect to the Portuguese league, but but Udogi's done some really impressive things, and I just think he's so talented and so young that Postecoglou will get his hands on him and do some some really exciting things. Um, but but yeah, we'll get coached up in areas we haven't been in a while, and that'll go a long way too. It'll be interesting. Uh, before we get out of here, Scott, any any other transferness you wanna you wanna spout off, or do you wanna holster some for the coming weeks because we do have a lot of airtime remaining yeah. to fill still yeah we can sit we can sit tight on a few things but i think we we could talk about the david raya raya links quick too yeah we we did mention it. him a little bit last week but we didn't get your thoughts on it what what do you where are you with 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 him is he your guy or is there another another goalkeeper out there that you would prefer to to take the reins from from Reese? i mean as far as is he my guy i don't have a fucking clue about this guy so i don't know like <laughs> but i think if he's if he's somebody that Postacoglu thinks is right for the system, I suspect he's good with the ball, and I suspect he's comfortable outside of his box, right, which is what we're going to need. Um, and no disrespect to a club legend in Hugo, but, like, God, anybody but him, especially <laughs> especially under this new this new way that we're going to play football, right? There's just no way that Hugo can be in between the sticks. And I think that's well known. Um, yeah. He's leaving. But, but if David Raya is the guy in the mind of, Plus the Koglu, then whatever we need a keeper. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we 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 both Caroline and I both talked about Raya a little bit last week um, when we broke down the squad. So I, I have nothing further to add. I, I just again, it's like I'm ready for 
the knowledge basically of who's who's going to be the goalkeeper, who's going to be the, the the new center back. Are, are they going to get an attacking midfielder? Or are they just going to try and you know roll three random midfielders out there and see what happens? I'm interested in all of it. Um, it's a lot to lot to anticipate and a lot to kind of a lot to lean on. Um, before we definitively get out of here, Caroline, I, I did want to just bring it up to you. No real news on the women's side, right? Like I hate to kind of end with a whimper but still no managerial hire no real rumors about transfers on that end it's i mean it's still very very early but um we've we've got nothing do we everybody's just kind of waiting for the world cup at this point it's crickets out there man it's nothing like and that that i was thinking about this today the fact that we have the world cup in the middle of the summer like oh it doesn't give me a good feeling like if we don't get our business done soon like who's going to be available after the cup, you know, it's, I feel like they really need to start getting on it, especially with the manager appointment. And I I thought we were going to be getting an announcement this week because we had heard about so many of the former assistants under Vicky Jepson, you know, departing the club. I was like, okay, they're making room. You know, I just seems like it's the time, but we didn't get anything. Um, (laughs) There was one, player I was feeling a little hopeful that we might be interested in. And that was Daphne Von Domselaar. I think I'm saying her name correctly. Uh, she's a, a Dutch goalkeeper, um, but she just signed today with Aston Villa, which is a little terrifying because Aston Villa are just killing it in the transfer market lately. Yikes. Um, yes. So yeah, Spurs, please get on it soon. Please get us a manager who is, not dodgy because as we were talking about earlier it's like so much easier to say who i don't want us to get as a manager than who i do um but that's just kind of the state of the women's game you know there's a lot of bad actors out there unfortunately it's never a great sign um you know it's interesting though you say you want them to get some moves done before the world cup perhaps the world cup some players may be looking at that as an opportunity to, to to vault themselves to a move as well um that's that's something that i hadn't really thought about until you know, I was piecing all of this together in, in, in prepping for the show. Like, I, I don't know, maybe we're not going to see a lot of action in the women's game because there's a World Cup. I mean, think about that. We do, that happens all the time uh, on the other end of the spectrum with the men's with the men's game. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good point. Uh, the one thing I will say is that a few of the players who are kind of slated to be like the breakout stars of the tournament have already made their moves. <laughs> So you know, that is what it is, but there's, there's going to be players we've, we've never heard of and they have their moment and hopefully we can get some of those kind of diamonds in the rough out of it. Yeah. Diamond di- diamonds in the rough, not expected to be stars of the tournament perhaps is, is, is more the realm, unfortunately that, that Spurs women are living in, but we'll see. We'll keep our, our ears open uh, to anyone they want to name manager anytime soon. That would be great. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at the Tottenham Depot. You can be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and subscribe. Uh, you can follow Scott at DSM Spurs, follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow me at a Stetka and follow us at Tottenham Depot on both your Twitter and your Instagram, get all of our shows and, uh, info there and interact with us. Let us know what you want to hear about in the coming weeks as we kind of just try to kill the time before football comes back around. It, it won't be long. I mean, like I said, only about a month now from a preseason match to talk about in Australia. So we will look forward to that. Uh, and until next time, this has been the Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>